out of the mouth comes life and death, and those who love it eat its fruit, right? And what we speak can shift the atmosphere. In your bulletins is a declaration. And I would like you to read it through once by yourself, and then I would like us to read it together. I would like to put it in the atmosphere. I need all the help I can get. So read it through once. Okay, here we go. Out loud, it makes a difference. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, who is God, seated at the right hand of the Father. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is glorified, the comforter, the helper, and the revealer of things to come, who is with us, but in us, as we are being built together as a habitation of the Spirit of the Lord. A little distance. Amen. A little dyslexia in there, right? <laughs> the, hey. So um, I do want to announce that tonight at the Assembly of God Church, they have a, um, at the end of the month, they have a open worship time at 6 o'clock. It is open to anybody. It's just worship. So if that interests anybody, you're more than welcome to come. Sounds like a good time to me. How did Abraham strengthen himself? Glorifying God, right? He wavered not in unbelief, but strengthened himself, glorifying God. So when we do go to worship and we choose to glorify God, it strengthens our inner man. Does everybody here know that we are a soul and a spirit, right? Right? The spirit is the part that talks to God. God is a spirit, all right? And he gives us his spirit in us, and we communicate with him with that spirit. We also have what's called a soul, and the soul communicates with the whole world. And it's where we have our mind, our will, and our emotions. And it's where the enemy hangs us up. It's also where we experience strong feelings. So I just really have to admit to you, I have no idea where this is going today because every time I got quiet to, to get a word, all I could do was grieve. I don't, some of you know, but some of you don't. My daughter passed away three months ago. And all I could do every time I got quiet was just cry. But it was good because I hadn't really done that. So it's really important. So, um, but in the midst of all that, God grants hope. Hope is a favorable and confident expectation that has to do with the unseen future. All right? I can't see my daughter, but her future is secure. Because she's with the Lord. She was a believer. My spirit knew right away where she was. But my soul didn't understand that she wasn't on the earth anymore. And my soul is coming to grips with that. So there's grieving. All right? But I also have hope for my own future. Because of God, he grants me hope in all things. And his hope is unwavering. Right? I define my hope things. 
So we have an expectation in Christ because he is good. And how, but how do we have that expectation? How does that come to us? It comes to us through his word, right? So if we go to 1 John, it's going to be all over the place, so we'll see how we do. If we go, not 1 John, Big John, the Gospel of John. We go to the very Gospel of John. One. Big John, one. Yeah. I need to pray. Father God, I need you to calm my heart. I ask, Lord, that my words would edify and build up people in their most holy faith. My words would bring understanding of who you are, what you have for us, how incredible you are. I pray, Father God, Holy Spirit, I ask that you come and just brood over this time, brood over this word. Let it be your words and not my words. If it's me, it's just words. But if it's you, it has life. And so I'm just asking, Lord, I yield to you right now in Jesus' name. I need to breathe. I'm trying to breathe. All right. Right there at 1 John 1 through 4, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What was the Word? Jesus. But it was God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that is made. Right? So all things are made through Christ, and he is the word. He is not just a word. He's the word. If we want to have hope, we have to really, really be putting the word in us. And God really wants that for us. It says... Somewhere, what happened? That all scripture, well, first it says all scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, correcting, and rebuking, and training in righteousness, that we would be equipped for every good work. But it also says that the word of God, everything that was written, was written for our instruction that we might have hope. So everything that's written in here is written to us to keep putting in so that we can have hope. This feeds our spirit. We have to, sometimes we have to talk to our soul. Our soul is the part that gets stuck in emotional things or gets stuck in where the the hooks of addiction get stuck or the hooks of anger and rage. Those things I had to put off. It says in the Bible, now, put off these things, anger, rage, malice, filthy language from your lips. Well, that word put off is the same for renounce. So as God showed me the things that were in my life, I, didn't, I, didn't, I couldn't just work through it and take control of it because it had control of me. I had to learn to repent and renounce those things where they had gotten more power over me and to break the enemy's power over my life. And the word is, helps us do that. It says in the book of Hebrews that the word is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It cuts asunder soul and spirit. 
So we can know the difference if we keep putting in the word, right? And um, we can even, at times, limit what God can do in our lives. If we get discouraged, if the enemy comes in with discouragement, you're never going to make it. That's what he tells me. You're never going to make it. You can't do it. It's impossible. You're not going to get through this. He tells me that kind of stuff all the time. I wake up in the morning, and sometimes the first thing I hear is, you're not going to make it. And I, I, I try not to say it, right? Because what we say with our mouth, we believe in our hearts. So I say, Lord God, the day is yours, and you are God. You haven't changed. But we can sometimes live in him. It says in Psalms 78, 40 through 42, how often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Wow. I didn't know I could limit God, but they did. It says they did not remember his power in the day that he redeemed them from the enemy. I have been redeemed from the enemy. I grew up in a pretty dysfunctional home. Alcohol was a mainstay in our home. It was constant. The, the place where my parents put their alcohol bottles, all the linoleum color was rubbed away the last time I went to my own home because of that constant habit of setting the bottles there, right? And then I didn't like alcohol, so what did I do? I chose every other drug. Right? And then when I came to Christ and I quit the drugs, well, then I fell into other behaviors to deal with my stress and anxiety. And I fell into anorexia, bulimia, suicidal behavior, ended up in a psych ward. But here I stand to say, God is able and I have hope. All right? God tells us in Proverbs 4 20 through 21. Uh, 20 through 22, my son, my daughter, (laughs) says it to all of us. Son, in some instances, is the basic idea uh, that we're his children. Give attention to my words and incline your ear to my sayings and do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Do I need health in my flesh? I do every day. In fact, my flesh is getting a little weaker, <laughs> right? I'm, I'm not as strong as I used to be, and sometimes that's hard. But the word is the same. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is constantly working. And he doesn't just give us the word, because if we did just the word, we would be really legalistic. And it would be rule, 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 rule. If I just follow the rules... I've done that. I kept thinking, if I just do this right, and if I just do that right, you're going to do this and that. You know, that's that. You get, I do, you do. I do, you. God's not like that. He's sovereign. He has a plan. He's good. It is the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Jesus is speaking this. It's in John 6, 63. And he says, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Well, where do I find the words he spoke? In the Bible. Some of us even has the cheater's version where all his words are in red. Right? We love that part, though, that he didn't just leave us with just the word, but he gives us also his spirit. Right? 
And then we think, well, you know, who's Jesus? Well, it says Jesus is the image of the invisible God. What's invisible mean? I have no idea. All those scripture, many of these scriptures are written on a card, and I don't know what version it is. Yeah, so could be a New American Standard, could be NIV, could be New King James Version. So, but they're good. So Colossians 1, 15 through 17. And this could be the NIV, but says, He is the image of the invisible God. And we know the invisible God is the God we can't see. That's God the Father, right? The firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are created in heaven and that are on the earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions, principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things consist. So we consist in him. Before we ever knew him. We consisted in him. Before we ever knew him, he was calling our name. Before he ever, we ever knew him, he knew who you would be before you were. Isn't that cool? He knew that you would be here today. Because it says all my days are written in his book. Hallelujah. Right? And it says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and I called you forth by name. Now, I think that's really cool. Because my name is Christy. And when I finally learned what Christy meant, it meant little Christ. Well, that's not what I behaved like when I was a kid. I was a thief. I, oh, my gosh. I'd be talking to you in your car, looking at what I could steal. I was a thief. I broke into homes. I vandalized schools. I was all this stuff. Well, I don't think Christ did any of that. Ah, but there came the day where change had to come, and I couldn't change. And I begged God that if he would set me in a place where I could learn that I would do whatever they told me. And he set some people over me. And even when it was really hard, and I didn't want to do it, I did it because I made a promise to God, and I needed to change. I was dying from the influences in my life, right? Anyways, so... He began to work that work in me, and it says, I found your words, this is somewhere in Jeremiah, I found your words, and I did eat them, and they were the joy and the rejoicing of my heart, because I am called by your name. <gasps> Whoa! That was just way too cool for me. I was like, that is so good. So he is, that was Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. He wants us all to have the ability to live the life he wants us to have. And that's why he offers Holy Spirit to us. He, just like I put on that declaration, you could speak that declaration every day and it would build up your spirit man. Our words are either going to build us up in our most holy faith, and that's what the word does. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God, right? So if we're reading the word and we're reading it out loud, we put it in the atmosphere over our homes, Right? It can bring a change. It can usher in angels. You just never know. Right? And I'm hearing it, so it builds my faith. And I'm speaking it, so it cements it in my heart. So if we read the word out loud, it makes a difference in our hearts and in our lives. And I even heard a testimony of a woman that had a real problem with alcohol, and she wanted change. And uh, she 
All she could think to do was read the word every day. So every day she'd read out of the Bible out loud. Every day she read out of the New Testament out loud. And after, after months, she just slowly quit drinking. You know, that's definitely one way to do it. I needed help. I needed accountability. I needed discipleship. And so the Lord provided that for me, and I did what they asked me to do. But he gives us ability. Everything that is in this word is, is his potential for our lives. This is like having a living coach every single day, right? Those Olympic athletes that were out there, Man, they start young, and they just do the same thing every day. And they have a coach, those swimmers. They swim so fluid and so beautifully. And they are so aware of even how they're placing in their hands in the water that they do this finger first so it cuts through the water. Because if they just go straight in, it creates a push, and it slows them down. They are so focused on everything their body's doing, right? Because they have a coach that tells them, This is my coach. And my coach says his divine, this is 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4, says his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. That knowledge of him has to come first. Knowledge of God is something that can be a gift that we can ask for. Did you know we can ask all that stuff from God? God is so cool. He shows us different places in the Bible where people ask for things. And even Elisha and Elijah. Elijah was the prophet, and he was a powerful prophet, and he was going to be taken home by the Lord. And Elisha was his servant who followed around and helped him out, right? And Elisha's following Elijah, and everybody in the town is saying, God's going to take him from you today. And he says, shut up, I know. Shut up. And Elijah, Elijah would say to him, Elijah, you just stay here and I'm going to go over there. And he says, nope, I'm not leaving you. And he'd follow after him. And then he'd come to another place and Elijah would say to Elisha, you just stay here, I'm going to go over there. And he'd go, nope. So finally, Elijah gets really miffed with him and he goes, turns around and says, what is it you want? And he says, I want a double portion of what you have to rest on me. Oh, We can ask. It says in the book of John, somewhere, uh, chapter 14, 15, or 16, it says, (laughs) I know, your father is so gracious, and um, if a child asks a father for a fish, you won't give him a stone, how much more will your father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? I keep asking. More, seconds, thirds. Fourth, I want more. I see Holy Spirit work. I want fire. What does he say? John the Baptist is out there baptizing everybody, and he's saying, look, I'm baptizing you for the remission of your sins, but there's somebody coming after me whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Don't you want a little fire? Yeah. If we have fire, if somebody's on fire, stuff happens. People move. People say things. Come on. Yep, they get moving. So we want that fire. Can we ask for the fire? Yes. You have not, for you ask not. I am so grateful. So he says that we have everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us and who called us by his own glory and goodness. It wasn't because we were good. 
<laughs> I sure didn't qualify. It wasn't because I was good. By his own glory and goodness, his incredible love for his creation, his love for us is so huge. And through that incredible love, he was willing to sacrifice his own son to gain, for us to gain access to him. So he called us by his own glory and goodness. And through these, he has given us very great and precious promises that through them we may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption that is in the world caused by evil desires. Is there a little corruption in our world today? Whoa, what does it say in Isaiah? It says, woe to him who calls wicked good, evil good, right? And good evil. And that's what's happening. The president called that Jenner guy, our, our Olympic ice skater, called him a hero. For That's not okay in God's book. He's not a hero. He's wounded, confused, needs healing, restoration, Right? I, I don't, you know, the lesbianism and the homosexuals, it's not them that are bad. They're caught in a lifestyle, and they don't even know it. They need to, to, they need to experience the Holy Ghost. They need to experience the love of God. That's what will bring them out. Oh, my gosh. If God can get me, I'm not too worried. He tells us in Colossians, the same place where he says he's the image of the invisible God, creator of all things. He says in Colossians 2, 9, and 10, in him, that's Jesus, all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. And in him you have been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority. Moving into the spirit in our inner man, learning to be quiet and hear the spirit in our inner man, learning to get past the soul that says, I want, do this, oh no, that person, oh well, oh hi, oh low, you know, that's our soul man. It's like this. And sometimes it's like this, you know, and sometimes really negative things come in, right? But in our spirit man, if we can get our soul to subject under our spirit, man, what does David do? He talks to his soul. He says, why be downcast, oh, my soul? Put your hope in God. He says it like four or five times. Why be downcast, oh, my soul? See, and it says in Peter that God is the anchor of my soul. So I have to turn my soul to face the direction my spirit's going. Look, soul, you may be grieving, but there's hope. There may be hard things, but there's hope. There may be darkness in the world, but there's hope. And that hope is built up as I continue to put God's word in me and remind myself, we serve a big, big God. One time I'm reading in the Psalms, and I read the scripture that says, I will guide you with my eye. And I said, God, how does that even work? And all of a sudden, I saw these blue eyes in front of me, and they went, I'm like, whoa, that was so neat. Those little tiny pictures he shows us. And I'm believing in my heart that a lot of us see little tiny things that God gives us, little tiny glimpses, but we don't always recognize it as God. Or God gives you an ingenuity, a way to put something back together, or you're working on something, and all of a sudden you get the picture of how it's going to click. That's God. That's not us. That's God. See, and he tells us, 
in the word, in, in Corinthians, we'll go, we'll run there and see if I can find the scripture. First Corinthians 1, maybe 2. All right. Maybe. All right. So um, I'm going to start at verse 6 in chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians. And this is to encourage us and remind us we can't get it with our heads. It isn't an intellectually discerned things. We have an intellect and a reasoning, and mine goes like a ping-pong ball. Especially if I'm nervous or I have anxiety, it is just flying back and forth. But God is telling us, look, it's the Holy Ghost, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So right here, starting at 6, it says, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age. Intellect. Nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery hidden, the, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Are they still crucifying the Lord of glory? Get them out of our schools. Get them out of here. Get them out of there. You can't say that name here, right? They're still crucifying him. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, even the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. So we have a human spirit and we have the spirit of God. That's pretty cool. That's, that's God being merciful. Now we have received not the spirit of the world. So that tells me, can we receive a spirit from the world? You bet. There's a lot of spirits hanging out in the world. The blinding spirit of the Antichrist blinds their minds so they can't see the light of the glory of the gospel in the face of Christ. So, but it says right here, he hasn't given us the spirit of the world, the spirit who is from God that we might know, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that we have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with the spiritual. So he gives us his Spirit. But he also wants us to ask. He loves when we come and pray. He loves our voice. He loves each voice. It doesn't matter who you are. He created you. He thinks you rock. He loves to have you come and ask, I want understanding, God. Please, God, I need your spirit. See, intellectual faith doesn't, it's just a taking in of the facts. The fact is Jesus died for my sin. The fact is I can be covered in the blood. But it doesn't require any change. But heart faith, when we let it go from here into here, and we want it like a little kid wants a puppy, then we come before him and constantly are saying, God, if anybody had children, squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? 
Yeah, that one that just kept pushing our grandchildren. But grandpa, but grandpa, but you said, but grandpa. See, and God wants us to come before him and say, look, you said you would give me Holy Spirit. You said it's a deposit guaranteeing my inheritance, right? All the fullness of the deity dwells in him. Therefore, where else does all the fullness of the deity dwell? In us? Is Christ in you the hope of glory? All the fullness of the deity dwells in him? So it must dwell in us, right? That's pretty wild. Lord, put it to work. (laughs) Show me how it works, right? He desires that through his spirit, I'm learning I can't necessarily love. My love, short-sighted, my love is based on what somebody does. But at the end of John 17, when Jesus is praying for all the disciples, at the very end of that prayer, he says to the disciples, the love with which my father loved me will be in you. Now that's different. That's that unconditional love. That can delight in love. And when we keep asking God for that and he starts bringing it into our lives, excuse me, then Colossians 2, 2 through 4 can happen, that our hearts may be knit, may be encouraged, being knit together in love, attaining to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge, there's that word again, of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So there's a worldly knowledge and there's a kingdom knowledge. There's a worldly wisdom and there's a kingdom wisdom. And do you know that there, um, just like there's uh, spirits in the world operating, I- Isaiah 11 says there's a sevenfold spirit that operates in the kingdom. It's the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of knowledge, and fear of the Lord. Now, if I have real knowledge of God, I'm going to have a reverential fear of God. Not just, not just like, oh, I don't want to blow it because you've been so gracious, but wow, why is it that you take account of me? Because I blow it all the time. I run away from you when I don't want to deal with things. But yet he says, ask, ask. He desires to give to us great and mighty things. He says in Jeremiah, come, seek, ask. I'll show you great and mighty things that you have not known. Oh. He tells us in Proverbs that um, it's the glory to God to hide a matter and it's the glory of kings to seek it out. And we are kings and priests. Did you know it? It says so in the Revelations. He has made us kings and priests unto his God. So we can search those things out. What do you have an interest in? Search it out. It's in the word somewhere. Whether it's helps or whether it's uh, prayer or whether it's words of knowledge, words of wisdom. Don't we want to see those gifts flowing again? I do. I'm so hungry for it. I pray all the time, Lord, let there be apostles and prophets, Father God. Let there be evangelists and pastors and teachers so that everything is working in the body as it should. Right? He tells us in Isaiah 64, 7, there is no one who calls on your name who stirs himself up to take hold of you. Wow. Stir ourselves up to take hold of him. Well, who is he? Oh, he's the word of God. 
I need to take hold of it. Even if things don't work how I think, you know, even if my prayers didn't work how I think, I still need to take hold of this. This is the anchor to my soul. This is my hope. This, in this, I can stand as I ask Holy Spirit, show me what it means. I need you. Holy Spirit, I need you. He tells us not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And that will help us learn to prove what his good will is, how to do it, how to walk in it. And he's not leaving us alone. He gives us Holy Spirit. He desires that we know Holy Spirit. He desires that we know his word. He says that he might sanctify and cleanse us with the washing of the water by the word. So the word washes us and cleanses us. You know, we like to take showers. How often are we showering our hearts and our minds? Right? It's good. He tells us to let his peace of Christ rule in our hearts, to which we were indeed called in one body, and be thankful. Why do you think it's important to be thankful? Anybody know what happens when we're not? Our foolish hearts become darkened. And we start grumbling. And that cloud of doubt sits over our head. And unbelief starts to form. And he calls in the book of Hebrews, he calls a heart filled with unbelief wicked. And in the book of Revelations, he says, unbelievers are among those that get thrown into the pit. I don't want to go. No, I want that faith. I can repent and renounce of grumbling when I catch myself. Isn't that cool? I can change my mind about it. That's repent. And I can put it off. That's renounce. And I can ask God to forgive me and cleanse me. And guess what? He is faithful and just to forgive my sin and cleanse me of every unrighteousness. He tells us to let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in our hearts to God and whatever we do do in word or deed do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ our focus is on him and he's the only one that can do it because it's not by works of righteousness he says in Titus not by works of righteousness which we have done according to his mercy he saves us now mercy that's that's amazing that's God saving me in spite of all my garbage and we don't watch a lot of TV, but we do watch uh, America's Got Talent. And there's such a variety on there. Well, this last season, it was really interesting. The variety had a lot of magic acts. And um, one of them was called clairvoyance. And does anybody know what clairvoyance is? It's just like fortune telling. And the Bible says that's not okay. Right? That Bible says it's not using the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Anyways, and there was a little girl, like 13 years old, by the name of Grace. And she played a little ukulele. And she just played from her heart. She had an innocence. She wrote her own songs, and she just played from her heart. And as the time came down and people kept getting knocked out and knocked out and knocked out, pretty soon it's between clairvoyance and grace. And it's really a prophetic thing to me. It's like God saying, here's your choice, America. Here it is. Are you going to have divination? Or are you going to have grace? 
And we're like, God, please let Grace win. And she did. She won. And she was so humble. But it's grace. And it's not a slippery grace. It's not a grace that says we don't have to change. It's not a grace that says any old thing is okay. It's a grace that makes us want so bad to come into the presence of the Lord, to allow him to cleanse us of the things that are not helping us move forward. You know, he told the priests in the Old Testament not to be intoxicated, not to use intoxicating things, because it um, clouded or hampered their ability to discern between the profane and the holy, right? It's it's like uh, getting high or having a drink before you drive your car. They say just one slows down your reaction time like 10 times, you know. Well, it's kind of the same thing in our spirit, man. So he wants to come in and help us do that. And he says it's through the washing and regeneration and renewing of Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the one that we want to keep asking for. Holy Spirit is the one that's going to change our lives. He says the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's uh, Romans fourteen seventeen, And, you know, we're not going to have that joy in the Holy Spirit unless we get into his presence. And that means getting quiet. And that sometimes means going through the soul stuff first. Why is it so hard? Why this? Why that? By getting quiet and entering his presence, and in his presence is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. We also need the Holy Spirit because in the book of Acts, the disciple says, look, we're his witnesses and also the Holy Spirit. So if we want that witness, we need the Holy Spirit. Do you know, it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, do you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. You were bought with a price. He gives us Holy Spirit. He says, whosoever drinketh of this water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I give him shall be as wells of living water springing up to everlasting life. Well, that's Holy Spirit. We can't give out what we don't have, right? But whatever we have, we can give. That's good. He tells us there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. Oh, we have him. He is moving in us and through us, and he wants us to be focused on him. He says in Colossians 2, 8, and 10, Beware, lest anyone cheat you through the philosophy and empty deceit, according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of this world. And some of that would be, oh, yeah, we don't need that anymore. We don't need signs and wonders anymore. I do. I need signs and wonders. John the Baptist needs signs and wonders. He even had a time where the, the cloud of doubt and, and disbelief overshadowed him when he was in prison. And he knew what was coming, and it wasn't good. And he kind of panicked, and he sent his disciples out, and he said, would you just, just go ask him? The one that he met when he was in his mother's womb right? Mary walks in and John leaps in his mother's womb and his mother starts prophesying, right? He knew him from before he was born and now he's saying, would you just go ask him, just, just go ask him if he's really the one or if we're searching for another. And what did Jesus say? He sent his 
disciples back and says to him, tell him, the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame are restored. Signs and wonders. We need them. We need them. Don't let traditions and philosophies of man that are based on the basic principle of this world and not according to Christ, fool us. He is the one that John said, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. I believe many in this body have the Holy Spirit. I believe that God wants to always pour out a fresh anointing. I believe that he wants us filled afresh, but he also wants us baptized. You know, there's a difference between baptism and filling. If I fill a glass, it's just filled. But if I put that glass all the way underwater and bring it up, it's overflowing and the outside is all wet and we're not going to stand it on the table without a coaster, right? So we want that baptism where it's spilling out of us, where we just can't hardly help ourselves because we're on fire. So just an encouragement in that. The, uh, The Lord is the one that says, my eyes roam to and fro throughout the earth to find someone whose heart is steadfast towards me so that I can show myself strong in their behalf. So I just want to encourage us. It's okay to ask for fire. It's okay to ask for new things. It's okay to ask for healing. He's a big God. In back in Daniel's day, um, in Daniel 11.32, he says, those who do wickedly against the covenant shall be corrupt with flattery. And I thought, man, that's kind of like the world. Like, um, People of worldly nature are uh, looking at the things they can have or the things that give them esteem or the things where somebody would say, oh, I really like this or I really like that or you have it all together. And the flattery puffs up the person, right? But he says the second half of that verse is those, but the people who know their God should be, shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Wow. The disciples carried out great exploits. Wow. It might not be easy, and you might get in trouble for it, but hey, it will be good. This is a time in our world where prayer is really a precedent that we need to take time to do. And um, we were invited to a meeting Wednesday morning, and there's a prayer Oregon group that you can even sign up with online, and they go around, all around Oregon, and they meet with prayer leaders, and they just talk about the different things that they see and the things that they see going on. And they talked about uh, the gifts beginning to move again. They talked about angelic hosts that they have seen over the coast, and that the coast is a key place because so many people travel here. And they talked about... um, just uh, different places where prayer groups are sprouting up and where they're beginning to see change. And Lord, I, I know that is my heart. And Nehemiah speaks about that. He, they're, they're looking at the things that are going on in their lifetime and the things that are happening where they are, and they are discouraged. And Nehemiah, and he looked up and he arose and he said to the nobles and the leaders and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons and your daughters and your wives and your houses. Man, hey, I'm waiting on some of my kids. Who's waiting on kids? Who's waiting on grandkids? Who's hoping for change in their own life? He's telling us, don't give up. Don't stop. He loves us so much.
We have to remember, though, always, always, if it's just the word, it's legalism. If it's just the Holy Spirit, well, we might get off base. We need both because one has to confirm the other. We have to prove the Spirit by the word because there's lots of spirits in the world. And that's where God says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves. This is 2 Corinthians 3, 5, and 6. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Once again, that beginning scripture that I read is Romans 15, 4, that says, for whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. God is good. So um, I'm just putting it out there. If you would love a fresh touch from Holy Spirit, stand up. If you would love a fresh hope from Holy Spirit, Stand up. It is a good thing. We get to raise our hands believing that God will do exactly what he says he will do. He's everything he says he is. Right? And he says, if you come presenting all that I am, I will be among you. So, Father God, you see all these people that have their hands up for fresh hope, for fresh anointing, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just come and wave over this place. Let your wind blow over this place. Let hearts be touched. Let minds be renewed. Touch the intellect with the Holy Spirit. Father God, I'm asking, Holy Spirit, set a fresh fire in them. Let it be as um, it says in Psalms 92.10 that you... I got to look it up. That you are the one that anoints us with fresh oil and you strengthen our horn like a wild ox and you anoint us with fresh oil. Father God, the horns always represent power. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. And we purpose and to receive fresh from you right now by the same faith we're saved. Whether we feel it or not, you are pouring it out. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.